0: we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our dedicated study on the Flat Earth Theory Examined. I'm going to go ahead and just let um, uh, Dr. Hoven continue further, and we're going to be looking now at the shadow of the moon
1: um, and how that plays into this whole thing. Yes, sir. The shadow that the Earth casts on the moon. If the moon gets between the sun and the Earth, we have an eclipse where we can't, certain people, a little slice of the Earth, cannot see the Sun. It's not big enough to cover the whole Earth. The shadow of the moon is too small. Now, the shadow of the Earth is big enough to cover the whole moon, but the shadow of the moon is not big enough to cover the whole Earth. It actually makes two parts to the shadow the really dark part, and the umbra and the penumbra. If who cares? You can get into all that. But just last year, the, the dark shadow of the moon went clear across the United States, didn't it? This is predictable years ahead of time, exactly where it's going to fall, the shadow, because it's obvious the, earth, the moon is round. It's obvious the sun is round. It's obvious all the other planets are round. It's also, when the earth makes a shadow on the moon, ah, another eclipse, it lasts long enough that if the earth were indeed a flat circle, and the moon is moving, the shadow should be oval-shaped instead of round. We're getting a round shadow all the time. So the shadow on the earth, of the earth, on the moon, over long periods of time proves that the earth is round and that it spins into I mean
0: this is I don't see how you can argue this. You, You you get into eclipses and things of this nature, and the earth is coming over the moon. The moon is reflecting the light of the sun, that's what we're seeing, and then the earth is, you know, moving over that. It's getting between the sun and the moon—it's a—it's a round uh, shadow that comes into play every time. It's showing you that the Earth is round. That could not happen if the Earth was flat. It would, and it would make no sense. So, the shadow of the Earth—the shadow of the Earth on the moon—over long periods of time. And during eclipses and these types of things proves that the earth is round and it spins. I mean, the shadow of the earth when the moon is not fully, I mean, the full moon, it wouldn't prove that. But let's say it's, you know, I don't know, a quarter moon or whatever. You're seeing this round. That's the, that's the, that's the shadow of the earth on the moon. That's what we're seeing there. So, again, I don't see how that can be disproven.
1: The Earth's shadow has a curve to it. That's because the Earth has a curve to it. Okay? Direct observation over many centuries has proven clearly that all of the planets and the sun spin. The sun spins around once every 25 days. You can see the spots moving on the solar sunspots. Right. The planets all are spinning. That's been directly observed. They see them spinning. Now, why would God make one planet, i.e. Earth, different? God seems to like to do things the same. He designed most animals with two bones in the forelimb and a single humerus and radius and ulna. God uses the same pattern over and over. He's showing
0: different, even animal species that have that same pattern of bones.
1: Design pattern that's really good. He uses, most animals are designed with two eyes so they get binocular vision, two nostrils, two ears so they can hear and determine distances and, and direction of sounds coming from them, and one mouth in the front. That's because we have a common designer, not a common ancestor. You evolutionist morons need to wake up on that one. Somebody designed all these animals. Now, a drop of water, when it drips, will automatically pull itself into a circle, a sphere, a ball, for two reasons. Primarily surface tension of the water. But also, if water is dripping, each molecule of water is attracted to every other molecule a little tiny bit of gravity. All masses attract each other. That's what gravity is, the attraction of masses. A large mass will attract a small mass, like a, the Earth is huge, it will attract a person and pull you down toward the Earth. Even if you're on the South Pole, it pulls you this way and you don't think you're upside down at all. You're not, I've been to Australia, I didn't feel upside down at all. The, you're, because, you're, because gravity's pulling you perpendicular to the center. Right. So these flat earthers will say, well, if you're on the South Pole, you should be upside down and fall off. You're assuming gravity is out here someplace. No, gravity is in the center, pulling you toward the center. So, yes, you can walk completely around a round ball and not even know you're walking around a round ball. If you had a giant round magnet and you had magnetic shoes on and magnetic suit on, you could walk around the round magnet. Think about it for five minutes, okay? So if the Earth were flat, just simple gravity would automatically pull it back into round. (coughs) because all the particles are attracting each other, it's just like a drop of water, right. the Earth should pull itself round. Right. It would. Now, because it spins, it bulges a little bit at the equator, like I do anymore, but that's okay. Another story. And because of the slight bulge, it pulls the poles in. But it is so minor, so minor, I think it's about a 20-mile difference. On an 8,000-mile globe, the 20 miles is not noticeable. They say if you took the Earth and shrank it down to the size of a cue ball for pool, the Earth would be smoother and rounder than the cue ball. So that little 20-mile difference of polar uh, contraction and equatorial expansion is insignificant. They say the Earth is pear-shaped. It is extremely slightly pear-shaped because of those things, okay? Because of the spin and the slight bulge. If it were going a lot faster, it would be out like a frisbee. But because of its spin once a day, 1,038 miles an hour at the equator, zero at the poles, it does have a slight bulge, but it's insignificant on the big picture of things. You can take a, a, we've got to do this experiment here, Dinosaur Adventureland. You get two lead balls. Lead is not magnetic. It can't be influenced by a magnet. Get two lead balls on the end of a rod and hang it from another rod. Then park two more big lead balls next to it. Near, near it, not, not touching. Just get two heavy lead balls. This thing will automatically turn over and touch them. They can actually measure the torsion. How much does it deflect it? It, it puts a pressure on it because of gravity. The mass
0: of this ball... Bo- where, where I'm actually going to show that experiment later, but again, you can't see it because this is an audio, but you can watch all of these things uh, for further evidence and, and to get the visual impact.
1: Is attracting the mass of this ball. They do all kinds of experiments on YouTube. You can see the experiments. They'll take a a ball weight hanging from a a spring to measure how much it weighs, precisely to the thousandth of a gram. Then they just slide a big lead ball under it. Don't touch it. Just slide under it. And all of a sudden it gets heavier. Why would it get heavier just by sliding a lead ball under it? It's not magnetic attraction. It's gravitational attraction. Because masses attract each other. That's the phenomena that God created called gravity. Okay. Every particle of Earth attracts every other particle. The Earth would automatically pull itself into a round ball if it were flat. Now, flat earthers have an answer to just about every theory you can bring up. And every question. I'm sure they've got an answer to all of these. And there'll be 50 YouTube's made on this broadcast. Enjoy yourself. Okay. I've not seen any answer that cannot be refuted. But it's a waste of time to me. I have a different dragon to slay. Evolution. The only reason I'm taking tonight's program on this is because we're, A, we're getting a lot of comments on it, and B, this is dividing Christians into two warring camps. I think it's serious. I think somebody's laughing at you. Their answers remind me of redneck fixes. Hey, honey, I fixed it. The hood won't blow up anymore. The new movie, a- baby redneck chair and teething ring combination. Hold the baby and give him something to chew on. Freddie, <laughs> you got a baby. So he's
0: showing these pictures of. In this particular case, it's a baby literally in a cord out watermelon that has its legs hanging out. There's two holes in the bottom where his legs are hanging out, and he has his teething ring that he can bite into the top of the, the watermelon. So it's a redneck baby sharing
1: teething ring. In a few weeks, here you go, brother. Get a water... <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? How about this? Lawnmower wheel broke. Ah, oh, it's okay, honey, I fixed it.
0: He put like a wooden wooden wheel on the lawnmower. And there's a guy that's literally driving a car and he's got a cart under one wheel that a guy is sitting on and he's driving it around. And the cart is suspended, suspending the one corner of the car so that he can drive it. It's just some crazy stuff.
1: There, I fixed it. Flat tire, no problem, no problem. How about this one? Redneck fix. I love this. Hundreds of my internet about redneck fixes. The answers you flat earthers give to these questions like, why can't we see the sun all the time? Oh, well, because of perspective. You have no clue what you're talking about, okay? They'll say, well, the sun's only 30,000 miles up there, some, some ridiculous number. No, it is 93 million miles away, and it spins, and we go around it and it's 880,000 miles in diameter. The science is correct on all that. Now, I understand NASA has lied before, and they will lie again, no question. And they're not against starting conspiracies. They started one with the flat Earth, and you fell for it. That's the conspiracy. Yeah, that's their... La- la- okay, Hoven theory. I think this was started, re- reintroduced six years ago, to see if Christians would fall for it so they could laugh at them, and they're laughing at you to divide Christians, and that's working, to show the people that they have power to make them believe anything, to distract Christians from the real issues, to discredit the Bible, and number six, to give Satan and his fallen angels something to laugh about. They know they can get some people to believe anything. I think they're laughing at you for believing this. Millions of Christians are using the fish symbol, thinking this is a Christian symbol. You husbands and wives, get alone, get away from the children, and Google... Egyptian fish god, and see where that symbol came from. St- Dagon,
0: which the Bible talks about with uh, Samson. That was the Temple of Dagon that he destroyed, you know, essentially in his one last dying, you know, when he got his strength back that one last time. It was the Temple of Dagon. It was the main deity they were worshipping.
1: Using that, okay? They're laughing at you. There are over a billion Muslims now, That the devil has got them thinking they are doing God's service by killing Christians. Yep. Don't they? They really believe that. Boy, if I kill a Christian, God's happy with me. The devil is laughing at you for falling for something so stupid. Many millions of people believe they evolved from an ape-like ancestor. You evolutionists who believe this is your grandpa, the devil is laughing at you. He's glad you believe it. He's trying a
0: picture of like an ape and the whole evolutionary chart or whatever, which is just so asinine. He
1: really likes the fact that you're teaching it to other kids. But he's laughing at you, for. but he knows it's not true. And he's laughing at you. Many millions of people believe the Big Bang, where nothing exploded and made everything. Right. Think about that for five minutes. I've had him tell me in debates, they say, well, yeah, everything was squeezed into a dot smaller than a period on a page. You couldn't squeeze a gallon of milk into a dot smaller than a period on a page, let alone the whole universe. What is wrong with you? <laughs> the devil is laughing at you for believing something so stupid. Wake up, man. Think about it, okay? There are 15 million Mormons believing that they will someday become God and have thousands of wives if they obey Joseph Smith. Right.
0: Now, if you don't know about Mormonism, just key in Mormon or Mormonism in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I get into all this. Uh, it's more of a, a study I did well,
1: probably probably about 10 plus years ago. I had them, two of them come to my door when I first moved to Pensacola. They said, Mr. Hovind, we'd like to talk to you about the Lord. I said, that'd be great, fellas. Whose Lord would you like to talk about, yours or mine? <laughs> they said, oh, we serve the same God. I said, oh, no, no, you got a very different God. I said, does your God have a body like mine? They said, yeah. I said, well, my Bible says God is a spirit. I said, does your God live on the planet Kolob? Mm-hmm. They said, yeah, he does. Yep. I said, does your they, God... They
0: believe this, They that he lives on the planet Kolob. That's what they believe.
1: Thousands of wives. Mm-hmm. Does your God have no... He has thousands of wives. ...all sexual relations with those wives to produce spirit babies in heaven? They said, oh, yeah. Book of Mormon right over there. Yeah, it's true. There's another one right here.
0: I wouldn't keep a Book of Mormon in my house as a cursed object. I'd be very careful about keeping those types of things in my house. Any type of Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, any type of occult literature, get it out of your house. You shouldn't be. It's a cursed object. I wouldn't have anything to do with it. I think it's very important we get that stuff out of our house. Any type of of thing that inappropriate images, and I don't even mean like let's say flat out pornography. But, I mean, just inappropriate images that are... I had to literally go through the Steve Quayle book. I Two Steve Quayle books. I've got one on giants and one on strange creatures. I had to literally go in there and get rid of... There so many inappropriate images. I mean, pictures of naked women and stuff. Like, you know, bare-breasted mermaids and all this. I mean, I had to literally go in there and, and tear out or cut out whole pages of stuff. Because I don't want that stuff in my house it's just amazing to me that that he doesn't have the memo on that. And, and that I mean, he's gonna have to answer for that. That's all I'm saying. you know, so I, I just I don't understand that because you could literally be bringing in curses. You could just bring in some periodical or whatever, some local thing or whatever, and there could be all kind of inappropriate images and it's sitting in your house. and I mean, you just don't know what type of I mean who might see that or what type of demons or devils that could be attracting. It's very important. You know, and I wouldn't have these types of books in my house, um,
1: but you know, a lot of people do. Uh, they said, "Oh yeah, he produces spirit babies in heaven." Now he does that in heaven with t- the same way human couples do it on Earth. The human couple produces the body, and your God in heaven produces the spirit in the same way. Is that right? Oh yeah, yep, right.
0: Normal sexual relations. Okay. So the so their God has to as as they're having children down here, they don't have a soul, evidently or a spirit, so their god Kolob on his planet up in uh, wherever, you know, the Zeta Reticuli or wherever, um, he has to evidently mirror all the babies that are being produced, I, I don't know if it's on planet Earth or whether it's just with Mormons, that... Um, are being produced. He has to go up there and constantly have sex with all of his wives to produce the spirit babies to go into the humans that are being produced on planet Earth. This is the insanity that they believe, okay.
1: I said, now if it's a good spirit baby up in heaven, it comes down and gets a white-skinned body, but if it's a bad spirit baby it gets a black-skinned body. Is that what you guys believe? <laughs> My word. They were quiet for a minute. One of them looked at the other one. He said, well, you're not supposed to know that, but yeah, that is what you teach. (laughs) That's not politically correct. And that is what you teach, okay?
0: Oh, my word, Um, insanity. I said,
1: now guys, there are two babies born on earth every second. Two a second are born. That's not how many attempts are made. Trust me, there are many more than that. But two a second are born. And your God is producing a spirit baby in the same way for each one. I don't think you could last five seconds to a second. He has got 15 million moron Mormons believing Joseph Smith. What a pervert that fellow was. Think about it, guys. And the devil is laughing at you for believing that idiot Joseph Smith.
0: Who was also a high-level occultist that basically stole... uh, What he did is he stole a lot of the... um, a lot of the high-level witchcraft initiation things that he learned in the Freemasonic Devil Death Cult, essentially, and he incorporated and reamalgamated them into the Mormon religion. The secret handshakes, all of the secret garbage they do, he reamalgamated that, and that's a big reason they said that. Um, I've heard this said that when he died. I think he was in a jail and that the Freemasons came in there and essentially killed him because, you know, he violated all those blood oaths that you've got to take, and it was a big no-no to take those and start your own religion. You know, you basically, you're it's a basically a death sentence, and they carried it out.
1: And you poor Mormons, you need to th- stop and think, man. Have you analyzed what you really believe and thought about it? You have to have your holy underwear on or the yep. devil can get you? Yep. They do. They wear holy underwear with a Masonic lodge symbol they over do. each nipple and on their thigh. They do. You know I'm telling you the truth. The devil is having a heyday. He thinks this is hilarious. The
0: unholy Mormon underwear. I remember the, the thing that Bill Schnabel said that when he finally got saved, he was in the Mormon church. He was a high level witch, but he was always told as a high level witch he was trying to get to to be where you know he was trying to get into vampirism and all. He'd done everything in the occult you could imagine, and they said if you ever get in trouble the Mormon church is a safe haven for any occultist to go into because you're going you're gonna to be able to go very, very high, very, very quick. It's a safe haven. It's a place that you can get rest, relaxation, kind of, you know, just re, re, um, recircle the wagon so that you can go back and serve Satan again. And he said that when he got saved, that um, uh, when he finally got a hold of this, and I think it was reading from reading the KJV, because I'm pretty sure they use a KJV in the Mormon church, that he took off his magic Mormon underwear because he didn't want any static on the line <laughs> when he when he was praying to God. Yeah, I think that'd be good because you really want to pray to God when you're wearing occultic garments that are literally cursed, you know? And the reason that he got into trouble in the first place is because he got a canceled check back because he had sent his dues into the first church of Satan and it said, I'll be praying for you in Jesus' name. One little lady, or maybe she had some people, whatever, one little banker, that was praying for him he lost all of his occultic powers he was one of the most high level he said warlocks in like all of western michigan and this one lady or maybe just a small group of people praying for him he lost all of his occultic powers literally like overnight his life fell apart from one little lady knocked the knocked the slats out from under him and that was when he went into the mormon church because his life was totally falling
2: apart from one little lady
0: christian now see who has the real power you know what i'm saying so that's just i I love unfortunately bills went off into absolute total madness of the hebrew roots and you know he looks like he's a rabbi's rabbi now and he's bound up in every hebrew roots possible thing that you can possibly be in so it's almost like he's had this thing in his life where he's had to attain every single high-level religious thing because what he was doing in the occult was also very seeking highest, the highest levels of religion. Now he's just reapplied that to the Hebrew Roots Movement. And it's really sad. I pray for him because Bill Schneblin was one of the guys that really opened my eyes to so much of what I cover today, particularly as it pertains to the occult. I mean, he was the only guy I ever heard of back then getting into werewolves. Vampires, cryptozoological creatures—I mean, he was very, very well aware of all of this stuff because he literally interacted with these things. I mean, you can go inter—you can uh, key an in interview with an ex-vampire, and and see—and see, and that was before he kind of went off the deep end. I'm pretty sure with this Hebrew Roots stuff. Now, I've done—you know—if you're Hebrew Roots here, I'm I'm sorry, but I mean, you know, I've probably done fifteen teachings on that. Just in Hebrew from the Sabbath. Keeping having to keep the Sabbath to the Hebrew roots movement to the Tetragrammaton, which is the sacred geometry, which is the basically the um, all of the different ineffable names of God that a lot of the Hebrew roots people use. What do those actual words mean? And I'm not talking about like um, Yeshua. I'm not talking about that one. But there's other ones that they use. That you got to be real careful what you're calling God is all I'm saying, because you might think you're calling God and you're not. jesus christ has always worked for me father god's always worked for me and i'm i'm not gonna deviate from that so um yeah i would say ask to to pray for um to for for bill schneblin you know because i'm telling you that that guy taught me so much regarding uh these subjects and it was almost like an insider that had been in so deep and so, at such high levels in so many different facets of the occult. And then he comes out and he gets saved. He's got all of this amazing information about how the kingdom of darkness actually works. And it was just so enlightening. And it still is. I mean, his, his early stuff is just amazing.
1: He's got 15 million people believing in this. That's how, they're laughing. There are 8 million Jehovah's Witnesses believe they will inherit the kingdom if they work hard exactly what Cain did. God, look at me. Cain, my
0: teaching on Jehovah Witnesses has done a huge teaching on that as well. That was when I had a lot of personal interaction with not so much Mormon, but Jehovah Witness, I've had a lot of, per, I have had a patient try to uh, convert me when I was a baby Christian. And man, that, that guy got in my head and I mean, God pulled me out of it real quick. But I tell you what, they are, you have to understand, it's not just the person. It is the devils and the demons working through them and if, you, and if you go onto their playing field and you go to like their house or their church, I highly advise you don't do that. You know, the Bible talks about that you don't even invite these people into your house or you don't even bid them Godspeed lest you be partakers of their wickedness. That's this whole thing about cursed objects. Get anything out of your house that, that you could potentially think could be Cursed. Or, or, or inappropriate or not pleasing to God. I mean, could Jesus walk around your house and be pleased with everything that he sees or, or at least not offended? I mean, I understand some stuff's neutral. A lot of stuff's neutral, you know. But that's what you have to ask yourself the question on, you know, and um, you can pray about God to show you, you know, what might be. I, I remember Bill Schnebel one time, he said he was, he was in there and they were trying to figure out why this one lady's life had been so cursed and she had a little spoon collection on the side of her thing and one of the spoons had like i don't know if i had a picture of like a frog head on it or something and it's like literally god directed him to that one spoon and this one spoon was literally cursing her whole life one time he was in a house and they were praying and this guy's life had totally fallen apart and i mean this i'm i know i've said this before but it's been a long time and i'm I'm probably not getting the, the story totally straight but this is why i say i've learned a lot from bill schnebblin um and they had this guy's life had totally fallen apart, marriage had fallen apart, and this was a successful guy, successful business, successful marriage, successful life. He got back from Mexico and everything had fallen apart. And
1: they didn't really know
0: why. And they came back. Bill was praying with them and they were and they were praying basically like, oh God, please, whatever is causing these curses in our life, I pray that, that you would manifest it or destroy it or make it apparent. And all of a sudden they hear these two gigantic crashes in the, um, I don't know if it was the foyer of their house. And these two big, gigantic, um, or I don't know if they were how gigantic they were, but they were two big statues, I believe they brought back from Mexico, just literally fell on their face. Just like in the story I told you about with Dagon, the fish god, I believe that Dagon um, kept falling on his face in the Bible because that was God's way of showing them that Dagon is not, you know, has no power at all. He's just a statue. It might be a cursed object, but it's a statue that has no real power to, you know, in compare in comparison to God. So, these statues break and then these curses break essentially. And what you always want to do with this stuff if possible is if it's some kind if it's something you can break, break it and then I also go a step further and sometimes this, this is the only thing you can do is burn it. I happen to have, you know, fireplace Actually, i got two fireplaces. I don't use the one downstairs ever, but um, burn it. Burn, in fact, and if you break something, I'd burn it as well. Bill says that he has seen literally where he's thrown CDs, like rock CDs of inappropriate music and stuff. He's thrown them into the fire and literally saw spirits manifest. Because most of the time, unless you're dealing with what they call a spirit elemental, um, a fire, fire elemental, I'm sorry, spirit it's a demonic spirit that likes fire every other spirit is not going to like fire and that is going to that is going to essentially um break that curse right off them so these are i'm really diverging off but he's bringing the subject up and i have to kind of you know interject there hey the, what i just said could really really help a lot of people i know i've said it before but i mean i'm, I'm saying that it's very very important to to do these things And because you never know, it it might be the the main reason why your life is if, if you feel like your life is cursed, well there might be a reason for that. Sin in your life. I mean, that can do it, but there might be some some cursed object in your house that's allowing that's not allowing you to break free from the sin and giving that thing a territorial right to curse your life. And if you're willing if you've willingly brought it into your house, well then you've just given it territorial territorial rights for that. You be praying over your house, over your property, pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over it. Um, you know, uh, praying that the, your angel, the the Lord's angels, that camp around about you. You know, around about your house, your property, your vehicle, that, that go before you to prepare the way. These are all just things that you can do. And I, I don't, I don't want to say a whole lot more about it because I mean, it's you could obviously do a gigantic study on that as well. And I've, I have covered those issues a lot in the past as well. So let's go further.
1: I works okay the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called this devil and satan which deceiveth the whole world the devil has deceived so many people in so many ways so many false religions out there yeah which one's right they're all teaching something else evolution's the biggest and dumbest religion i've ever heard of and he's got how many millions believe that stuff and push it is the earth flat no Now, lots of Kansas is flat. Lots of Nebraska is flat. A whole bunch of Texas is flat, okay? The Bonneville Salt Flats are flat. But no, the Earth is round, and it's a ball. A beach ball looks flat to an ant crawling on it. Doesn't it? Yep. And an ant compared to this beach ball, if you took a human compared to the size, He's
0: showing a human on a nine-foot beach ball.
1: Earth. The ant would be about a billion times too big. It'd be more like the fingernail on the ant, if they had fingernails, to be the size of the human on a beach ball that size. Of course, it looks flat, okay? A basketball looks flat to the ant crawling it to. The curvature of the earth cannot be even visible until you get about 50 miles up. That's simple mathematics. The earth is a ball. That's
0: why you can barely see the curvature of the earth even on, uh, like, the Concorde flights, you know? I mean, you, you, it's perceptible, but it's very slight. It's because Earth is so large in comparison to us.
1: Well, it is 7,900, 15, 17.5 miles in diameter at the equator. It spins 1,038 miles an hour at the equator. It goes around the sun, and none of these facts contradict the Bible. The Bible is correct. There are metaphors about the earth having four corners. It's a metaphor, fellas. Learn some English, okay? It is scientifically a fact the earth spins, the earth goes around the sun, and nobody pays me to teach this. I'm not part of any conspiracy. I didn't get a letter from the Illuminati saying you better teach this, okay? (laughs) I'm about as anti-New World Order as they get. I spent nearly nine years in prison for standing up for my beliefs, okay? And I would do it again if I had to. I think we should stand up for what's right. Okay.
0: I went. I was there at his trial at the end when he got out. You know, I was there. I was in the courtroom. I mean, it's not like I don't have a connection with this man.
1: I am not hired by anybody to teach these things. This is the science. Now, I think the Earth can spin and go around the Sun and still be the center of God's attention. It doesn't have to be the center of the universe with everything going around it. Right. It doesn't have to be. Right. If all the stars are going around the Earth, you know how fast they'd have to be going? Much simpler to say the Earth is spinning, causing them to look like they're going. They could be sitting perfectly still and look like they're moving across the sky right. just by the spin of the Earth. That's simple. Common sense 101. They couldn't move fast enough right. to go around the Earth every 24 hours. It's ridiculous. They would have to go a zillion times. The
0: universe going around the Earth every 24 hours, spinning around. That's, that makes no sense whatsoever.
1: Than the speed of light. It's not happening. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. If the earth is flat and the sun is going in a circle around it, what is is the force causing the sun to change directions all the time? To make anything go in a circle like that, you would have to have something holding it in. Well, that's what gravity is. Where's Where's the string holding the sun on this tether so it stays in a circle around the earth? I feel sorry for you flat earthers. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get a thousand negative comments and people are going to unsubscribe. Good. We don't want you. Okay, go somewhere else. But I want to help. I am concerned for the bigger picture that we have got Christians fighting each other and this is what concerns me. I think it's dumb. I think you fell for the line of Satan and I think God made the world and God loves the world and we are the center. This is the only place where life exists. This is it. And... You need to be saved and born again to go to heaven. So, was that controversial enough, Jeff? Yes.
0: Like, okay, so that's pretty much what we have have there. Um, again, I'm not name calling. I'm not trying to. My goal here is not to lose listeners. This type of stuff, but hopefully, you can see why I've had I have to do this study, and and I've I've had tons of people request this, and they're people that are flat Earth people that are requesting me to do this and I've I've looked at a lot of what's been sent me and it's a lot of it's the same stuff over and over and nothing in what I've seen is compelling compared to what we're looking at now regarding would change my mind whatsoever I don't I mean I could end this study right here right now and I think I've I've done a we've done a pretty good job of looking at this but we're gonna go much much deeper this is just that we're just scratching the surface Okay, so now we're going to look at a totally different perspective on this. Now you remember I pra- played a video from Henry Groover recently. I believe it was the on the one on the Dragonfly Miracle, and um, you know either either you believe Henry to be a man of God and this type of thing, or you have to believe he's the biggest charlatan on the planet. Um, I've been exposed to Henry Groover for, man, I think going back to 99, 1999, maybe 98. And I've never known him to be anything but full of integrity, honest, God fearing. I think he's had more incredible miracles happen to him than any other person I know of on the planet. Um, I also think he was also raised in a very godly home and has probably fasted and prayed more than 99.999% of the Christians out there. And um, God has done many mighty things through him. He's not greed-driven. The guy has never, ever been, ever begged for money. In fact, so much so that when they have a need in the ministry, they never, ever announce it. Ever. They pray about it. And God puts it on the heart of other people whenever, like, let's say God called him to go to Japan. He's been to Japan many, many times, and they need to raise the finances for that. They never, you'll never know about it, ever. They never do that. They just pray about it, him and his wife, and I guess his family, and the funds always come in, if it's the Lord's will. And, and if he says, I won't even go unless the Lord's spoken to my wife, And she comes to me. God will reveal it to me. I don't say anything to my wife. But he will not go unless God reveals it to the wife because they're a team. God reveals it to the wife. She comes to Henry. It confirms it to him. They start praying about the finances or whatever the needs to come in. And the finances come in. But they never announce any of this. In fact, Henry doesn't even announce it when God spoke to him. He doesn't announce it to his wife even. This is how concerned he is about being in the will of God. Okay, I mean, he takes it to a level I've never seen before. I guess the point I'm trying to make. So, um, here's just a brief excerpt. And I plan on playing this in the future, the whole thing. Because there's just so many amazing insights that we can get from this. And um, this is when he was killed. And I mean, dead as a doornail killed on a i was on father's day i think i don't know he, he's gonna say here 1982 or 83 and um i, I don't know if I, I think that that he's gonna give you the first part of this what happened to him but he was i mean we're so he he was so dead that there is no way that Any modern technology could have possibly brought him back. The only one that could have actually healed him after this happened is God. There is just no possible way anybody could have survived this when you hear about the massive injuries that he sustained. And if if he doesn't get into that in this little, I don't know, uh, five, six-minute clip here, I'll I'll reiterate, I'll try to fill in a little bit of the details, but I do plan on playing this in a future broadcast, the whole thing. It's like an hour long. So this is Steve Quayle interviewing him regarding this now. I've known about this for years. This this happened back in 82. I've heard this story many, many times when he was on the Prophecy Club. He he did a he's done many, many tours of the Prophecy Club. I, I only did one tour in 06. And um anyway, let's just play this.
2: I left the van. I heard the hitting of that boulder. And the crunching of more metal
0: and glass. They were driving up in the mountains on Father Day. He was was trying to get to his daughter's wedding. And they were going through, I I don't know, the mountains of um, uh, Northern California. And this is, his wife got distracted. Some cords got tangled up. She went to try to untangle it. And she was driving. He had been driving all night. She took over. And, um, they were up in this very, very high mountain pass that all these people die on all the time. In fact, somebody just died there like a week before, maybe a day before. And this is, he's describing the accident as
2: it's happening, as this van is careening out of control. As I went into what I call the Valley of the Shadow of Death, or the tunnel, and, uh, as I went into the tunnel, it was totally
0: different. Now the now he's the the, the accident's already happened. The, the van flipped over. It's unbelievable because he wasn't he wasn't seat belted in. I think he was he was sleeping. I don't know if he was um, not exact. I think he, I'm not sure exactly what position he was in, but his children were not buckled in. This is a, like a 82 in their VW van. I mean, those things were pretty flimsy. And none of his children were seatbelted belted in, and yet, while it was happening, he will describe later, I don't think it's in this, I think it's beyond this clip, where, as the van was flipping over, the children were still in their seats. They were not being affected. He had literally prayed over them one by one all night long as he was driving, listening to praise music. And they literally were in their seats upside down as the van was flipping but they weren't falling like an angel was holding them there only henry was the one that really got injured he was the only one i mean there might have been some bumps or scrapes but he was the only one and it was for a purpose and this is
2: why pain the pain was unbearable i this has totally changed my thinking of of if a loved one, a friend, or somebody dies in a fatal car wreck, and they are so injured that they figured they died on the scene, it totally changed my thinking of pain. Totally changed my thinking. Because the body is so beautifully and wonderfully made, you can only have so much pain, and you you die, or you pass out. When I left my body, there was absolutely no pain. When I left my body, I was more of a person out of my body than I am in my body.
1: All your senses were, you had all sensual, functioning. yeah, sensory awareness, everything functioned. Totally, totally. I could
2: hear, I heard the crunching of the metal, and then as I go into the valley of the shadow, or I call it a tunnel, because when I went into it, it's just like if you're in a car, you roll your windows down. You could blindfold a person and say, tell me when I go in the tunnel. Well, the sound of the vehicle comes in. That was the sensation. That's why I call it a tunnel. And I went into the tunnel. But I am, I am in a sitting position. I'm dead. People say, well, you're dead. How do you know this? Again, you are more of a person out of your body than you are in your body. And I was in a sitting position like this, cupping my hands to my ears, my elbows on my knees. You say, well, I thought you were dead. Look, you are more of a person out of your body than in your body. Don't fear death.
1: (laughs) It's a wonderful
2: experience, really. (laughs) There's no pain. But I still had memory of what the consequences of the death in the Valley of the Shadow. I couldn't hear anything. I was listening for some sound of life, But you knew you were dead. I, I knew I was dead. I knew the instant I left my body. I know the separation of the spirit from the body.
1: And I what did it. that feel like? Does, did it feel like uh, literally a, a suction thing leaving? Did it feel uh, like a,
2: a, separating, a separating, a very distinctively clear separating from extreme pain and senses of, of uh, overbearing to no pain whatsoever. And feeling gloriously wonderful. Except for the circumstance. And. Uh, but not. Not fear. No fear. And, and I know that's what David wrote in Psalms. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow. I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. So. Uh, I'm listening. For some sign of life. And then I hear. The sweetest voice behind me. And it says. Henry, turn around. The light is here. And I go, no, I want to go back. My family's hurt. They need me. And then silence again, and I'm listening again. And then that voice speaks again, only with a greater urgency. Turn around. The light is here. And I go, no, my family's hurt. They need me. And I don't know how much time went by obviously didn't didn't have a watch in that tunnel what i call the tunnel it was like liquid darkness it was it was a darkness i've never experienced in my life and i think that's why david wrote the valley of the shadow of death uh so i don't know but uh
0: uh, i believe you hear later what the voice was i don't really want to get into that right now Uh, when i play the whole clip we'll get into that but I just wanted to mention
2: that. Uh, Then, after that, I shot out of like that tunnel, I'd say like out of a cannon, and the whole earth, the round earth, is in my periphery. Let me tell you, it's a globe. I'm looking, it's round this way, it's round that way. It's not flat, it is round. You can't be flat flat. If it were flat, and I look at it from this angle, it'd be like a cylinder, wouldn't it? It'd be one way or the other like a cylinder. It was spherical. It's perfect globe. And uh, I'm leaving the earth, and the earth in my full periphery is getting small this fast. Till I hear a sound. Now I'm still sitting, and I'm going backwards through the heavens. So leaving the earth. And I thought, I'm le- that's the earth. I'm leaving the earth behind. In a rearview mirror. Yeah, like a rear-view mirror. And I hear a sound at this angle right here. I look up, and there's the moon. And I am literally seeing the whole moon in my periphery, and it's getting smallest. But I look right into the craters of the moon, and it's getting small like this. And then I look back to the earth, and by that time, it looks smaller than a tennis ball. I mean, a, a golf ball. And I thought, wow. And then, from that point... I am passing planet after planet and I I knew what direction to look because I heard before I looked. I passed under, I passed over, I passed to the right, the left of planets. I came to a planet that was so beautiful. It had double ice rings around it. Glacial ice I passed it so close I could have reached out and grabbed glacial ice. Now, I, I had been up in the Arctic. I had dipped out with a dip net glacial ice out of the ocean and up above there in Alaska where the big glaciers go into the ocean and where they calve, as they call it. And I know what glacial ice looks like, and I know how crystal clear it is. That was glacial ice. And... Uh, I passed it, of course, and I'm going by.
0: I pa- So th- I'm only going to play that because this is a flat earth teaching, but I- I'll play the, I do give the link, and you can look it up. It's Henry Groover after death trip. Uh, you know, sorry, but I don't believe Henry's lying, you know. Um, <laughs> and this was not a flat earth debunking session. This was, this was his testimony, and he made went out of his way to state that the earth is a globe, it's spherical, And this is a guy that's literally saw it from outer space, okay. So, um, if you believe in the 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 secret space program, okay, I've reported on that many times in my alien studies. I was never, ever once did I ever hear from any of these guys or women that have been in the secret space program. Most of them are men that that have been to other planets and these types of things. This program's been in, around for a long, long time. The 20 and back program. Never, ever once did I ever hear from one of them that the Earth was flat. It was always a globe. It was always a foregone conclusion. Never one time did I ever hear that. And that's just more confirmation. Now, you could say, well, that's all a bunch of lies and all that. Well, okay, then don't believe the secret space program. But, you know, if, if you don't believe Henry, that's that's your prerogative. Now, my comment regarding this <clears throat> whole thing... This topic is ensnaring more and more people into its web, and it is truly only getting worse. If you're one of those that are convinced this theory is truth, I would admonish you, humbly beg you, to please look at both sides of this issue, and not just the biased, agenda-driven flat-earth theory. This is becoming a huge problem among Christians. I am witnessing it firsthand. Isaiah 40.22 says that God sits above the circle of the earth. While there is no Hebrew word specifically for spear, The Hebrew word chug, pronounced kug, is translated as circle, circuit, compass, and spear. Because God is omnipresent, he looks down upon the earth from every direction. Therefore, from God's heavenly perspective, looking down upon the earth from every location, the earth would also appear round from every perspective, only if it were a spear. Also, if this recent theory this recent flat earth theory is true, where are all the people that have seen the ends of the flat earth, meaning this Arctic ice shelf? You cannot tell me that, you know, they've got some type of of police force ringing the earth that, you know, guards you from getting on the Arctic ice shelf uh, and, and, and executes you if you get there, you know. I mean, that's basically what you would have to believe. Uh, <clears throat> where are all the people that have supposedly seen the ends of the earth and provided proof of that effect. I mean, with the advent of smartphones, millions of people were recording or taking pictures around the globe at a mind-numbing rate. But it is funny, I don't see millions of pictures and videos providing proof of this supposed phenomenon. Actually, it makes much more sense, and I'm being sarcastic here, that every astronaut, airplane pilot, sailor, etc., that have seen the, quote, ends of the earth, have kept quiet about this. And it is a huge conspiracy to keep everyone in the dark throughout all of history. How do you explain the boats and the planes circumnavigating the globe every single day? And this happens every day. So, are we to believe that this is a worldwide conspiracy in place to keep the, the flat earth theory suppressed? Makes perfect sense to me. This theory is dividing Christians like nothing I've ever seen. I mean, this is worse than the Mandela thing, as far as just division. Um, just some Bible verses. <clears throat> These six things doth the Lord hate: yea, seven are an abomination unto him: a, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and and heart that deviseth deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. While this theory is sowing tons and tons of discord among the brethren. So, I believe God hates it. And hopefully, you've seen this is not really that hard to debunk. And we're, like I said, we're just getting started here. Psalm 133, 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Okay. So, that's what God really likes. That's why I really don't believe there's any Bible for denominations. What are denominations? Division. Oh, I'm in this camp. I'm in this camp, and we know the truth. Then you get pride, and then you just absolutely, totally... I mean, I'm sorry, but on the Mandela thing, what I've dealt with is people in... And I came out of the most hardcore sect of the Baptist religion. Those are all the people that are attacking me. For some reason, it's the Baptists that cannot and will not accept the Mandela, um, the quantum effect, which was actually more... Uh, More accurate, the quantum effect or the Mandela effect. And I'm not trying to demonize Baptists. Listen, I came out of the most hardcore sect of the Baptist movement. Independent, fundamental, King James only, unregistered, non-501c3. That's what I came out of. It doesn't get any more hardcore than that. Okay. That's what I came out of. I know how they operate. And especially the pastors and the ministers at that level. Ultimately, I came out of it because when I would go to conferences where they they would meet, I never saw more vitriol, backstabbing, and evil behavior from pastors than I saw in that movement. I would literally go to conferences and want to crawl under my chair every single time I went because the worst place to be is if you spoke at the beginning of a conference because if you said anything that any other pastor there didn't like, and he was going to speak after you, well, boy, and you better not hope they had a whole night to prepare another sermon against you. Because they're going to just take their turns on you one at a time. That's the last place I ever spoke at was the Okeechobee one. And and I spoke on, I believe, the Avion flu. And um, this was about when I was getting... This was the last thing God had to show me to show me how pride filled and vitriolic and how much hate emanated and operated and how much unchristian behavior operated through that particular movement. I'm not saying every single Baptist is this way. I'm saying from my experience, this is what happened to me. And this wasn't the only conference. And I went up there and I spoke on the Avion flu that night and I said some stuff against the pharmaceutical industry and a lot of those pastors that were on meds and I spoke on the Avion flu, and I, I am not lying to you. The next day, they it was they just took their shots at me one after another after another. It was like a whole day of targeting, targeting in and zeroing in on me. The next it was like all the whatever they were gonna speak about. These that one guy had come all the way from Texas. There was a lot of pastors that flew in from all over the parts. They just took their 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 turns, and I just sat there and and just took it all day. I was like third row back right from the beginning. And they had the audacity just to get up there right there and look me right in the eye. And I looked them right back and just take their turns at me one at a time, just rebuking me and, and, and because they didn't like what I really said too much. They don't like nobody telling them that they shouldn't be on a boatload of medications or the pharmaceutical industry's potentially evil or anything like that. And that was just, I'm just, those are a couple things off the top of my head, whatever I said that rubbed them the wrong way. And I just sat there the whole day and I kept asking God. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to say something? Because I will make a scene. I've done it before in church. I, I don't, whatever. My life's not a popularity kind. They think they got a backbone. I got a backbone too, baby. And he just, I, I, all I can really get from God is just take it. Just take it. I just took it the whole day. And at the end of the day, when they were all done taking their shots at me, I was going to give the second part of my presentation at the end, because I couldn't finish it all the first night, I didn't have enough time, and they wanted to make sure that wasn't going to happen, so what they did is they posted me against Dr. Dixon, who was basically the main keynote speaker, now Dr. Dixon never did this to me, okay, I'm not including him in on this, he was always my friend, but he was part of this, this movement, but they basically i remember the one guy at the very end i don't want to even give his name but he came up to me and shook me in it he was shaking me in the hand looking me in the eye as i was shaking his hand looking at him in the eye and he said something to the effect of well you're not going to take that time away from brother dixon As he's shaking me and look and he was the main guy that i had offended he had a whole contingency from texas and and oh man you talk about pride filled oh lord have mercy I'm not condemning everybody from Texas, but boy, oh, boy, I've met some pride-filled people from that state. I'm not saying everybody there is bad. I'm just saying, man, oh, man, oh, man. This guy had his own little built-in cult down there. I'm sure he still does. And um, and I just, I, I sat there, and at that point, what I did after he said that to me, because it was basically, they said, okay, well, anybody that wants to listen to uh, Dr. Johnson, the Second Heart, they, they pitted me literally equally against him. So I would have to be literally speaking at the same time Dr. Dixon, who was the main keynote speaker there, who obviously I didn't want to take his time away from him. And they, they usher me back when I'm when they're, they're done making that announcement. They usher me back to this room I'm going to be speaking in. And it's literally the pre-K room with all these little tiny pre-K chairs. I'm not lying. This is how they operate. This is what I've seen in the church at that level. Standard behavior. Okay. And I was like, I was just, I was just, it was so, at that point, just so laughable. So I went back in there and before, because we were on break, before Dr. Dixon was going to speak, I made an announcement. I stood up in front of everybody and I said, I would like to basically defer any, any of my lecture, not do that, and, and, and give that to Dr. Dixon, because I don't want to take away from anything that he's going to present. And that's what I did. And so I didn't even do the second half. And um, they had accomplished what, they were, what their goal was set out to do. They had you know, acted like absolute total satanic snakes in the grass. That's what I've come to expect as standard treatment at the highest levels in the Baptist church. Okay? That's how I was treated. That's how I saw a lot of other people being treated that were pastors. It's like who's ever the most nasty mean vitriolic control freak person they're gonna be the ones at the top I wanted nothing to do with it God pulled me out of all of it and that's why I haven't been in a church since since '6 when I walked out of the my, the last church I was at, that was a whole different story but it was it was very very similar what they did to me there. I've told that story many many times and that time I got up and I basically you know, told everybody what was going on. Um, made a gigantic scene, which was absolutely 100% biblical what I did in the way they were slimily trying to attack me in front of everybody, thinking I was just gonna sit there and take it. Uh-uh, I'm not built that way. So I, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. It's allowed me to focus full-time in on this ministry and I'm here to try to reach out to people and to break down these denominational barriers and these denominational pens that so many people are in and hopefully just give you and put out truth. That's what we're, that's what we're trying to do here. Whether it's the alien agenda, whether it's exposing the Mandela, whether it's, it's looking at this flat earth theory, whether, whether it's exposing these different cults or whatever. I'm always going to rub somebody the wrong way. Always. Learn that. There's no way you can make everybody happy. But I'm really through trying to appease um, particularly the Baptist ministers that have still kind of been hanging on and following me and and this time I'm done. I'm done. I'm all in. You know, so if I offend, I offend. It's not my intention. I'm not trying to do that. But the behavior that's been exemplified toward me is so typical particularly when this Mandela teaching, it's so typical. It's something I'm so familiar with. It's just like clockwork. So um, it's a relief, honestly, for me. It really is a relief. Uh, I'm sure they'll be continue to monitor me and, and continue to do vitriolic studies and slanderous teachings on me and, and, and this and that. That's fine. That's fine. You're going to have to answer to God for it, not me. I'm not going to do studies on you. I'm not going to come back and and try to name names and do all this. I used to kind of do that more at the beginning. I'm not going to do that now. I'm going to let God fight my battles. I'm going to let him do that. You're going to have to deal with God. And I've prayed, and and you've heard me say this. Listen, if, if I'm a deceiver, if I'm out there deceiving people, I pray God kill me tonight. So I'm off this planet so I can never deceive anybody ever again that's how serious i am are you that serious pray that to god tonight if you're serious i mean it i'm not lying why would i want to be here deceiving people what why so so i can i can be judged for that i believe i'm a born again christian 100 i have no but i don't want to be here deceiving anybody And I've prayed that many, many times. And I've told my enemies that many, many times. And I'm still here. So, sorry, I I just... Really got off on a tangent there. But uh, I feel like that needed to be said. I really do. I really do. Um... Going further with these Bible verses, 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. As far as I'm concerned, that's what this whole thing falls under. I'm not condemning anybody for believing it. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. But this is the oppositions of science falsely so-called. Hopefully we've already shown you enough science, but we're again, like I said, we're just kind of getting started, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. We're living in the most deceptive time in the history that the world has ever known. We've got to be on guard against being deceived. Ephesians 14 or 4:14 that we henceforth be no more children, Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. That's what I view this as. This is a wind of doctrine that's blown in. And now so many people are convinced of it. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness. That's why they're being deceived by it. Whereby they lie in wait to Deceive. Okay, we're going to play that video that he talked about. Flat Earth, I'm just going to call it Flat Earth Ultimate Analysis. Caution, there is some language in this. It's not really super bad, but there is some, and I'm just warning you up front. So we're going to play this video now. Oh, my word, I'm already over time. So no, we're not going to. We're going to go to part three, and then we will start this in part three. So God bless you, and see you in part three.